Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me, we have a very special guest here today, Stephen Smith, the co-founder and CEO of NoCD. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Jared. Appreciate it. Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, As you were telling me, you were in Chicago today and I was complaining to you about how it was 55 here in Florida and you're like, "Eh, it's a little, little colder here. It's a cold fall day here. I was walking over to the office and I was just like, ended up running um, just because it was so cold. But you now happy to happy to be here today and um, really excited to talk further about NoCD as well as other innovation happening in healthcare. Well, let's let's dive in. Tell the audience a little bit about you in case you know some haven't heard of you, and we'll we'll talk more about NoCD. Sure, sure. Um, so my name is Stephen Smith. I'm the co-founder and CEO of NoCD. And what we do at NoCD is we help people who have obsessive compulsive disorder um, and related conditions um, get identified and then get treated in an effective, affordable, and convenient manner. And um, my background, I actually have OCD. And for everyone listening, OCD is a term which almost everyone recognizes, but also almost everyone misunderstands, but yet most people who misunderstand it don't realize they misunderstand it. So it's one of those weird phenomenons in the English language where you have many people using a term they just don't know much about. Um, and, and they don't really realize that, right? So OCD, it's, it's viewed as a personality quirk in society or an adjective used to describe somebody who's type A, but in actuality, it couldn't be more different. People who have OCD have fears that are oftentimes what we call ego dystonic they violate the person's core values and character. And to make those fears go away, people do very specific actions um, called compulsions because the fears generate tremendous amounts of distress. And the fears could be violent, they could be sexual, they could be religious, relationship-based, existential, so totally different from that you know, personality quirk type. They're just crippling fears that make people um, distrust the core elements of themselves, right? They're just, then they play on repeat and, um, creates a tremendous amount of distress. Like for instance, a mother with a newborn child, she may fear, what if I throw my, my baby out the window, right? Like, so very intense, um, you know, and and oftentimes taboo fears. So I, I ended up going through this whole experience with OCD as a sophomore in college. So everything was going really well with my life. Um, I played football at a very small school down in San Antonio, Texas. I had a great social life, great family support, fortunately, and, um, was doing well. And, and one day as I came home for summer vacation, I started having those unwanted fears, right? I had no idea what was going on. I just thought for some reason, these thoughts were stuck in my head I, you know, without explanation. And I just was was at a breaking point. Like I didn't know what to do. And so I went to see a provider in my area and that provider said, you just have anxiety. I want you to take a rubber band. I want you to snap it across your wrist for every time you feel anxious from these thoughts. And it was one of the worst things you could tell someone with OCD. And so I got worse. I ended up getting misdiagnosed about five other times after that one provider by different providers and eventually then hit rock bottom where I had to stop going to school. I stopped playing football and I was stuck in my room from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep, you know, with extreme depression too, because as OCD often goes, when you, when you suffer with it and, and are misdiagnosed and mistreated, you develop comorbidities. And at that point in time, I started to, to seek help in alternative ways because I didn't know what else to do. And so I started searching my fears online and try to find explanations for them so that they would hopefully stop. And in that process, I stumbled upon a group of other people like me going through the same thing and they defined their symptoms as OCD. And I was like, OCD, like everyone, I, I thought it was just a personality quirk, right? I had no idea it was such a disabling chronic condition that affected one in 40 globally, caused people to be 10 times more likely to die by suicide. And, um, 
was ranked by the World Health Organization as a, as a top 10 reason for disability. I had no idea um, how, about how severe it was. And then, so I felt understood from, from understanding other people's stories. My next step then was, well, where do I go get help? And so as I started to search more, I realized despite the severity of OCD, it's actually one of the most manageable um, serious mental illnesses because there's a specific type of treatment called exposure and response prevention therapy, ERP, that works super well at helping people with this condition learn how to respond to their fears so that over time they don't bother them as much. And people in that process learn how to accept uncertainty. And that's exactly the treatment that I try to find. And in that process, Jared, there was um, only one specialist in my area who did ERP. And, you know, she had a $350 cash pay price per session, all out of pocket, no insurance coverage, a seven month wait list, and was pretty much inaccessible because I was pretty much housebound out of, out of, um, out of college and, and at the time and, and was just like in a challenging spot. And so the only way to get better was to see this provider ended up, fortunately, because of the family support, see, I was able to get to the provider. She diagnosed me. Um, she eventually, um, treated me with ERP. It was a tough process because between sessions you're on your own, but nonetheless was able to get through therapy and I was able to regain my life. And that allowed me to go back to school. I went to Pomona College in Southern California and finished up my degree, finished up playing football. And at that point when I was in school, I, I realized that this issue OCD, after doing more research on it, isn't just necessarily um, a clinical issue, right? Because you have great treatments available and people oftentimes, you know, are get better with the treatments. And it's a unique example in that it's also, it's, it's actually mostly an operational issue. We just haven't done a good enough job getting people to the right treatments and identifying them appropriately and then building trust with them and eventually managing them in an effective, affordable, and convenient manner. And that's what prompted me to start NoCD, right? Because I was like, well, we could do something about these operational challenges. We can, you know, create a system where people who are stig stigmatized with OCD can actually get the help they need, not by trying to navigate the system themselves, but by the system coming to them. And that that's what effectively we've done. So since we started the company, fast forward about five years later, now um, we have about 150 million commercial members under coverage today that can access a licensed therapist that specializes in OC and ERP as a covered benefit. Um, at the same time, the wait time has gone down from seven to months to two years on average to less than seven days on average because of what we've done at OCD. Um, and we've created a solution that isn't just as effective as a standard of care, but in many cases is more effective because of how efficient it is. So people inside the NoCD platform can come in and see one of our licensed therapists that specializes in OCD. We do all the training in-house to help them really understand how to treat the population using exposure and response prevention, as well as some other interventions to serve their secondary conditions. And then between sessions, when that therapist isn't available, people can get always on support from different peer communities, different self-help tools and, and content. And it's created this kind of tech and touch model that's, that's blended together to give our members a really personalized experience that addresses, you know, exactly what they need at, at the different points in the journey. And so, you know, we, we are all 50 states international. And, you know, our goal is now to, to really end global suffering caused by OCD, while at the same time building a new mental health care system for the most severe and stigmatized people. And I think that's one of the big takeaways of what we've done you know, we've really completely transformed how mental health care is delivered for one population today that is considered severe and heavily stigmatized. And if we can do it for one, you know, I think we have a new recipe that can be done for more. Congratulations, by the way, on on these last couple of years and, and bringing the company to this point. And 
it's so cool that you've been able to build something that stemmed from a personal experience. It seems like the best companies, right? That is one of the, the recipes for success is, was there that personal moment that led you to, to build out this company? And Thank I you. mean, and there, it also seems like there were some a lot of negatives that happened along the way that pushed you to want to start this company. That also seems like the other part of the, in the recipe, right? It's those those negative pain points. You're like, we need to solve this now. How like I, I want to dig a little bit in because we always hear and we hear about any type of virtual solution, for instance, right? We always hear about the the ability to, as you were saying. Um, match with a therapist and get the care that you need. But you also mentioned something else when for some, if when that therapist is in between a session and they're not available, the other resources, how important are those other resources for when the therapist is not available? And, and what do those look like? They're critical. I mean, cause if you think about it, your therapist is with you for less than 1% of the time per week. So in between sessions, you're asked to do therapy homework. You're asked to manage episodes, especially the chronic condition like OCD, sporadically. And, and those episodes happen unexpectedly. You could be walking down the grocery store aisle and boom, you know, you're triggered, right? Uh, you also at times feel isolated because you just don't know who to go to with some of these issues because they're oftentimes taboo and difficult to talk about. So how do you create experience that between sessions gives people that support that they need? And that's effectively what we've, we've been striving to do at NOC for almost now 10 years. So it's been a long journey in, in, in really building out this product because we know how important it is to do it right. And um, so we, for instance, at No City offer people what they call member advocate, someone who has lived experience or who is a friend of someone with lived experience who can be there to support people along the journey. They're not clinicians, but they're peers. And in that process, people can, um, in that treatment process, I should say, people can ask their member advocates questions. They can if there's a problem, for instance, um, getting into treatment for a certain session, they can lean on them for support in that moment. They have um, needs to to vent. They could vent to their member advocate. So it's like we have individuals, too, that can be available just in case someone needs to talk to um, another person that understands them. We have peer feeds. People inside NoCD's platform can at any point in the day you know, post a question or, or comment on a post in the NoCD community feed. We, we can also read content and it's all different types of content, static content, video content, um, community generated content. And so th there are different levers that you can pull for support. At the same time, if you need to do homework, it's often challenging to do it all in one place, right? So like back in the day, you'd have to write homework, extra, or you'd have to write journals. You'd have to, you know, find a, a loop tape recorder and listen to, to it. You'd have to um, draw pictures. All these things happened in, in, um, in a disorganized format, right? So what we did at NoCD is we created almost like a virtual gym for people who are going to do treatment to do it all in one place when they're not there with their therapist in session. So you can, you know, do your homework and then your therapist, you know, hours later, if they're looking at their laptop, could actually see what you did, right? So it's a totally integrated model. Um, so there's, there are ways in which you have to build for the member between sessions. And it's a, it's a function of tech and touch. So you do have the community support that helps provide the touch and the connection that people need oftentimes, especially when they're dealing with a very stigmatized condition like OCD. You have also the tech to give you support in doing treatment between sessions and getting in-episode guidance and whatnot. So, um, and also I should say collecting data. You could see in real time your insights using technology. Super interesting. 
uh, I, I definitely wanted to, when we had you on, I wanted to be able to ask that because I feel like it's not um, something that we hear often about, but I know like companies like yours are, are really active in building out that content library and those other resources beyond just the uh, direct therapist uh, communication. I wanted to, to shift focus a little bit to a cool team up that you have uh, with, with Howie Mandel. And I feel like everyone, everyone knows who Howie Mandel is at this point and how open he is about, you know, struggles and, and what he's gone through. That being said, he, he's done a lot to change the public perception of OCD, right? How important is this advocacy and, and public awareness and, and what your mission is at, uh, at OCD and kind of what is this? Sorry, this is a long question, but what is this impact uh, of, of this partnership? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It, look, advocacy is critical to what we're doing. And the reason why is it takes on average today 14 to 17 years for people with OCD to get evidence-based treatment. That's a, that's a stat that's been replicated with, with multiple research studies. And that's a problem, right? Because here you're dealing with a, a population that is super severe, right? Again, people are 10 times more likely to die by suicide when left untreated. Yeah, it takes 14 to 17 years for them to get evidence-based treatment. It doesn't make any sense, especially in the 21st century. So advocacy is, is, is critical. At the same time, you know, there, there is extremely effective therapy for OCD. It's actually one of the more treatable SMIs. And so all that considered, like, you know, you, you really need to, to make a movement to change how people think about what this condition is really like. Because if you can change how they think about it, then you can also change people's understanding about what it's like, just like how you've seen other conditions or other terms in society become redefined over the years. Like there was, you look back 20 years ago, there were terms people would use casually as a joke that are today, you know, frowned upon. And, and, you know, and I just think it's, it's something that needs to happen with OCD. So when we, when we realized that we initially said, well, who can we turn to, to help us? Because we, we really need to get society to, to make a, not only a change, but a quick change given there are lives at stake. And that brainstorm led down the road of we need to find a celebrity who, one, understands what this condition is really like, either through personal or, or, or family relationships or, or relationships with close friends. And two, someone who could use their voice to amplify what, what OC really means um, and, and do so on a, not only a national but also international scale. And that's where Howie Mandel came into the picture. And we're very appreciative of our work with him. So he has been our NoCD um, partner. Right. He, we work with him on awareness commercials. We work with him on different static posts. But the whole goal is how can we make society more aware about what an OCD is actually like? Because if we can draw awareness to it, then we can get people identified earlier on in their journey. Because when they know about the symptoms of OCD, right, the, the sticky thoughts, the fears that feel stuck in one's head that, that, that are oftentimes um, ego dystonic, right? Violating someone's core values and character. If they can understand those thoughts actually have a name, and it's not the name of their fear, it's actually OCD, then they can go in and, and, and have, find the courage needed to seek treatment. And that's the step that people need to take in order to get better. So we're, we're trying to attack the problem at its root and, and get most people to become identified. Another reason why it's important is we need to also inform clinicians about OCD is like. So unlike other psychiatric illnesses, OCD is is heavily misdiagnosed, even by, you know, doctorate level professionals. And the reason why is because it just there's not much awareness about how the condition manifests. So, if, for instance, 
people think about OCD in terms of perfectionism and contamination. They don't think about OCD in terms of violent, sexual, religious, intrusive thoughts. But yet the majority of the prevalence suffers with the latter. And so if we can actually get the conversation started about OCD, we're not going to only inform consumers, we're going to inform providers. And that's that's an that's another key element of, of advocacy. So the the you know advocacy is going to be what drives the the OCD crisis to being solved. Uh, well said, and and congrats on that relationship. By the way, that that is so it's so cool that you're able to to work with him, and uh, I'm, I'm sure the feeling is mutual. When one one of the things I wanted to bring up too is it's it's a little while past, but you were on a panel with Howie and. Uh, how, what was that experience like at Health uh, earlier this year? And just not not just you know that Howie was on the panel with you. You had a good group um, um, as well. I think was Alyssa was the Alyssa Jaffrey from Seven Wire was the um, and who, there was one other person. She's amazing. I'm blanking. Yes. Salome Tovu. She's yes. amazing. Yeah. Yes. She runs uh, uh, the Behavior Health Tech Conference. Yes, and and which just happened uh, recently, right? Um, what was that experience like being on a stage with all of those folks? You know, it was unbelievable. It, it was really unbelievable. First, we're appreciative of health for giving us the platform to raise awareness for OCD. And second, I think that it was a really balanced conversation, right? So we talked about OCD, what it's like. We talked about our personal stories. And, you know, it was also intriguing because we talked about just in general how it, OCD is, is misunderstood and how mental health care in general should be a, as available and, and easy to talk about as dental health, right? So it just, there's, there's a, there was a nice kind of flow with the conversation. And, and we, we also were, um, were able to do that thanks to the audience. So it was, it was a good, it was a good, uh, good panel. Last thing I have for you, Stephen, before, before we wrap things up, what's next for the company that you can share with us here today? Uh, thanks, Jared. Um, what's next? I mean, we are right now focused deeply on serving the OCD community, right? And I, I say that because in the OCD community, comorbidity is the norm. It's not the exception, right? So most people have comorbidities when they suffer with OCD. They have anxiety, they have depression, they have PTSD, but they oftentimes have that um, in conjunction with very, very group, you know, challenging OCD symptoms. And so, we to, to make our treatment more personalized, we begin serving different segments of the OCD community in a deeper way by providing more training and by augmenting our operational processes within our network. And that's giving us a chance to offer just better and better care for our community members, right? So we look at, you know, we have two opportunities, right? Like, honestly, we could go broad or go deep. We've chosen the path of going deep because we want to make sure that our care is exceptional. Um, it's also giving us a chance to realize how the mental health crisis can be solved, right? There's, there are many amazing companies today in behavioral healthcare. It's a, it's a, it's a very well-funded segment of the healthcare industry, especially as of recently. I think that we haven't yet as a society though, done a good enough job identifying those who have the most severe and stigmatized mental health issues. And as a result, they don't get connected to care at the right time, at the right place that's evidence-based. And so you kind of have this, this gap in the system for oftentimes the people who need help the most. And it's creating, you know, a, a situation where 
although we've had a lot of great strides made in behavioral health care, we're really still not tackling the biggest problems that need to be solved. So at NOCD, we feel like actually we have effectively done that for the OCD community. We are identifying people in a more frictionless manner in the places where they want to raise their hand. We're bringing evidence-based care to them in the format that's most efficient and effective. That's virtually. And we're giving people a chance to, to then get routed within the healthcare system based off of their needs if they have additional needs. And, you know, and the models worked and we can show that based off of our, of our scale over the years and the clinical results, most importantly. So, you know, we're broadly thinking, how can we fix this problem? Because we know this issue occurs not just within OCD, but it occurs across the whole mental health landscape and um, especially for the most severe and stigmatized issues. So, you know, without giving too much, like we're, we're really thinking about using our model and our proof point, right? Going deep into OCD and, and serving effectively to eventually then, you know, do, do similar work in other populations. Well, I'm excited that we had the chance to chat here today and hopefully we can have you come on in the near future and we can stay in touch, but really so excited for you, the team and all that you're helping, uh, all the many people that you're helping today and uh, keep, keep doing big things. Thank you.